Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Start and end your day with the good news. The good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin and friends with the good news. Hey, it is Angie Austin and friends. Uh, We have some uh, good news here. The good news gals are here. Donna Hetzler is here, author, speaker, and Donna has a ministry to encourage women. Jericho Girls. Hey, Donna. Hey, hey. Also, Jennifer Bishop is here. Uh, She's a little ray of sunshine. Hello, Jennifer. Hello. Monique Davis is here. Uh, Welcome, Monique. Thank you. Hello. All right. So um, I've got a couple of stories that I think are really encouraging, and it involves kids, because I think we hear so many... Uh, things about kids and I'm just cracking up because Monique and I have been laughing about some of the things that have gone down at like games and I'm a little bit taken aback so I'm at um, a sixth grade game at the school and it's a really good school district and um, it's our home game again sixth grade boys I mean they're not very advanced in their skills you know I mean they're okay players but it's not you know anything like a high school game and there's a mom a couple people down from me near my eight-year-old and she's using the word that starts with the letter F. And it's not funny. It's not the word fun. <laughs> and it's not fabulous. And, you know, it's not fabulous. <laughs> and she's saying that word. And I don't know. I guess I'm just kind of used to rambunctious people. So I didn't think much of it. Well, then, uh, and then she's yelling a few things. And I heard her saying something about some of our players on our team. So I'm looking right now for this uh, this t- uh, text that I have that, that details what she said to the sixth grade girls. So she, I, when I'm leaving, I, and by the way, we lost all three games. So keep that in mind. As she's yelling, not, and her team's winning. So I think her son played in the third game. My son played in all of the games, and she was making comments about the players. So with that said, I see one of the sixth grade girls. So these are 11 and 12-year-old girls, and she's crying in the hallway. I said, what's, hon- what, what's wrong, honey? I figured, like, it's a boyfriend or something like that. You know, there's some kind of a breakup or something. And uh, she said, nothing. And I said, no, seriously, what's wrong, honey? And she said, well, there's a woman in the crowd, and she was talking about our players and about my friends and uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, then later on, um, she posted something on Instagram, which my kids are not on. Those social media sites, they don't need any more distractions in the world. And so I thought I'd pull it up. And Monique, you go to a lot of games. I go to a lot of games. A lot. And uh, I'm fairly quiet. Monique uh, yells. She's a very... um, I'm a yeller. She's a yeller. Very very outspoken and, uh, you know, really roots for her team, right? So with that said, um, I went over to the coach of the other team who'd come from another middle school. And again, really nice school district. And I said, he was talking to the woman. He was talking to the woman. And so I said to him, that woman you were just talking to, who is that? Because uh, she was yelling a lot of comments from the stands and using, you know, profanity and uh, making some of the sixth grade girls cry. And I'm not with the school. I don't know who she is. And I said, well, you were just talking to her. It's one of, you know, your players' uh, moms. I'm not with the school. I'm, I'm not, I don't know. And then he walks away from me. 
And I said, excuse me. I said, I, I'm just trying to figure out why um, a parent like that is being allowed in the stands to um, say the things she said. And wait till I read this to you and you hear what she said, because there's a lot more than I heard. Um, and uh, so he walks away from me. So I go over to the dean and I'm like, um, hey, excuse me. And he uh, and I said, that coach right there, he knows who this that woman was that was in here causing a scene. He turns around. And you guys keep in mind, I mean, I'm a dinky woman. I'm not a very big woman. OK. <laughs> and I also don't think that I present myself in an aggressive manner. I, I wouldn't say that I'm a pushover, but I would say that I'm fairly articulate in uh, presenting my case that this was a really inappropriate. Uh, this is what this was really inappropriate behavior from a parent in the stands in front of children yes right you know You're sixth not graders a nfl football game here yeah so um he starts screaming at me what? and my son later goes mom if he would have touched you i would have punched him like, oh yeah all 92 pounds of you and how funny that like my son was ready and my daughter was there and another little friend of ours was there so i've got all these little kids around me and um he's like excuse you could talk talking about me you can shut up now you can start stop talking about me and maybe he knew how how inappropriate this mom is maybe he's known about some of her problems in the past here's what the sixth grade girl wrote on her Instagram I'm not gonna say who it was and I'm not gonna read all the words she wrote because apparently some of these sixth graders have salty language as well it says so there was an adult at the basketball game yes an adult she says in all caps she was being so rude and racist she kept commenting about the white kids and called um, to call him Joe a fat white boy. Now, I just want to just preface something here. Joe lost his mom last year. So the one that she's screaming out, fat white boy, and she's saying, why are all these fat white kids out here playing? Um, these are little kids that are already getting enough abuse in the hallways. They don't need it from a mom in the stands, especially while they're losing and her team is winning. Then she started saying rude stuff when um, Susie set and uh, you know, Jean, I'm used to making up the names, were dancing. So she was making fun of the girls who were dancing, trying to cheer on their school in their section. All the kids were in one section. She was sitting by them. Uh, then we were like 10 feet away from her, and she decided to start yelling at us, saying to get away from her and get out of her personal space. And then she said, who needs 10 feet of personal space? Uh, then she also called so-and-so up, blank, blank. And uh, then she called another girl uh, who accidentally touched her with her foot, I guess, because they, they were sitting in the same section. She started yelling at her. Okay, and then she started asking, why were all the white kids playing? Why were all the white kids saying? And then she, it, this is a big group of sixth grade girls. Uh, so she told the girls to get away and to leave and blah, blah, blah. And she said, that's why I was crying in the hallway. Like, who has the nerve to come to our school and say bad uh, stuff about the kids like that? So... Um, I messaged my friend who is like the community liaison. She'd been sitting by me. I said, do you see what went down? She calls me and goes, did you see what happened in the parking lot? I said, no, I didn't. I was calling you about what happened when the coach was screaming at me in the hallway, the coach of the other team. And she said, oh, well, I walked out, and apparently a woman came out after me and thought I should have held the door for her and start screaming at my friend in the parking lot about not holding the door for her, and it got pretty colorful. And so she told her son, just get in the car, get in the car, get in the car. Uh, so with that said, I was like, okay, how far, because my son said, well, that was a little bit embarrassing, Mom, that I had stood up for his friend. I'm like, well, how, like, I'm like a social justice person. Right. And so I mm -hmm. just think it's wrong that she's able to behave like that and allowed to keep coming back to these games. So I wanted to pursue it. And I think the kids pursued it independently of me. They filled out reports the next day. Good. So I'm real Good. curious to talk to the coach. But I don't know. Monique, what would you have done? I would have done the same thing. I think everybody deserves to feel like 
they're worthy of someone standing up for them. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, especially if they don't have a parent there. There's been times where, like, we've been at a game and we've heard of one of the coaches addressing one of our high school girls and their parents were there and we got all fired up. Yeah. My husband and myself. Standing up for them. Yeah, we were like, you know, we got fired up because everybody, that's just how we are. Everybody deserves to have somebody stand up for them. Absolutely. All right. Well, I'm, and the the girl did message my son and say, say, thank thank you to your mom. Right. You know, I I think you did the right thing. I would. I mean, you've got to be an advocate. And these kids, you know, like her Instagram post says, they've got enough to deal with nowadays. Um, they need some advocates who are going to stand behind them and say, you're right. You're right. Yes. So I love how you supported that girl. I don't know. I've always felt like things are right and wrong. And I've always stood up for like justice, you know, with the, the right thing. So I hope I don't see her in another game. And, and I you think know. you gave them the courage to fill out those reports. Yeah, mm-hmm. she did the next day. Um, my right. son said yes. she was filling out that she was like an hour in the office filling out the report. So, all right. And I guess her mom, uh, my friend let her mom know, too. And her mom, uh, I figured, would probably want her to say something about it. Her mom's pretty uh, tough. You know, she's not one to just go, oh, don't worry about it. Well, and I think that's what's happening in our society is people are afraid to stand up. Yeah, yeah. We we were, Stephen and and Chris and I were in um, California on Venice Beach because Chris wanted to go see where all the weightlifters were and all that, you know. And, And so we're there and... Chris was down around the corner at the the workout place, Muscle Beach, and Stephen and I were walking the boardwalk or whatever they call it there, and these two people are fighting, like really fighting, and everybody's circling around them, and I'm like, we need to call the police. I The police were there. They weren't even doing anything. I'm like, what is happening with our society? We need people to stand up like you. I, I, I just, kudos to you because... It's hard. It's like it took courage for you, you little white girl. Well, I didn't didn't, didn't like that big coach yelling at me. You know, I don't. I'm not used to men speaking to me like that. That's not appropriate. It isn't. It's especially in front of some of the other kids. You know. Well, okay. I'll admit that I did. You know, I did poke the bear a little bit as I left because I knew how fired he up was up he was that I was talking about him. So as a group of us walked out, he was in the bus, and when the bus lights turned off, I pointed my finger right at him. So the crowd. Got so the you. crowd could see and see what I was talking about. And I knew he was in there just like, oh, that lady. I told her to shut up already. <laughs> no. There's a strength about you, Angie. Absolutely. In your presence. And that, that can be intimidating. And maybe that was intimidating to this man that, <laughs> hey, here's this strong woman of God who's not going to let me get away with this. Uh-uh. No way, no how. But you know this woman who's acting up? I hate to say it because... Something's <laughs> got to be wrong. Something, something is. is definitely wrong. But this is what Jericho Girls is looking for, are these women. Because, you know, so many times our groups are like, are we making a difference? You know, because then we get in these situations where women are catty or angry or backstabbing. And it's like, are we making a difference? There's this small army of women here marching and we want to, you know, bring the ranks and and widen that and, and teach women how to love on each other and how to respect each other and how to be able to voice their opinion in a strong way without, rah, you know, attacking one another. And so this is the type of women that we're looking for in Jericho Girls because we want to show that, you know, Jesus demonstrated that you can be righteously angry mm-hmm. and not take things mm-hmm. and, and you can speak up for yourself, but you don't have to react this way. 
And so these are the types of women that Jericho Girls is saying, come on, you know, come on. We want to show you what it's like to, to be a real woman of God and to be able to speak your mind without attacking others. I'll never forget once I was uh, really upset with my, you know, my father and I were estranged for maybe 30 years and he would pluck information from the family about us and he had found something out like about my brother or my brother's family or my brother's daughter or something and it was all I didn't like it that he rather than call my brother to see how he was doing or if he was hurting he would like glean this information through the family grapevine and (laughs) somehow like repeat it you know in a way that was a little bit twisted right and I don't know if that was his way of trying to keep in touch with us but he didn't have the courage to apologize to us so he would just get this little uh, tidbits so there was something that was said about, um, you know, a person of honor. And so I left my dad a voicemail because I tried to call and tell him how I felt and he hung up on me because that's what he would do when he didn't want to hear what I had to say. And so I left this voicemail that talked about every man in our family that was a man of honor uh, with the exception of him. And and I went on about why so-and-so was a man of honor. He did this, this, and this. He is a man of honor. You are not a man of honor. He did this, this, and this. You know, you deserted your family. You are not a man of honor. He is a man of honor. And so he played it for my aunt to somehow have a case like against me look what she did when she called me after I did such and such and said I wasn't a man of honor well all of his sisters were completely on my side because oh my they've goodness. been with me all <laughs> through all the years that we didn't well, yeah, have a father and all the years that you know they knew about the domestic violence with my mother and the alcoholism and so they saw me work my way through school and get out of low-income housing and so there was no way he's gonna like play this for them and my aunt said to me let me tell you something sister I was so impressed that you were that angry and you went through such a great speech. Your, your points were so good and you didn't use a single curse word. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. So my aunt was so impressed that I presented my case without any cursing. <laughs> Isn't that that's awesome? And the thing oh. I love about your dad is he wanted to change. Oh, he and he has. Know? Boy, has and he. And he has made such a turnaround and yes, stuff. And that's the thing with Jericho girls, too. I mean, these women who come, they have to want to be well. Also, yeah. yeah, and so you've got to get to that point. And people where can change. They can. Amen. Yes, we, we have to. We have to leave that door open uh, with the forgiveness and knowing that people are able to change. I'm not saying put yourself into a situation where you can be further hurt by someone, right. but don't be surprised if someday they do change. I mean, the, the Lord has a, a powerful uh, a workshop for changing people, their behavior and their attitude. Uh, if you're just joining us, uh, the Good News gals and I are talking about on the Good News here um, our next Good News story, which in Involves. We're talking about young people and games, and I think the kids conducted themselves really well. They didn't respond to this woman with any, you know, bad language or anything like that. And uh, there are a lot of good young people, and this uh, teenager, the story is about, um, he wasn't even looking for attention, uh, but a stranger had started speaking to him, asking him why he was buying so many coats. And then uh, when the kid was checking out at the thrift store, he snapped a picture of him and then asked his daughter, hey, post this on social media. I want to, you know, uh, just kind of give this kid a, a, you know, a, a hand for what he's doing uh, for others. Take a listen. You're really to keep somebody Actually, warm. I might end up getting this one <laughs> for somebody. Woke up, got dressed, came in, and just started selecting, just selecting coats. What 19-year-old Frederick White didn't realize was that his personal random act of kindness to buy winter coats for the homeless would go public. I was at work and I was like, oh my God, like they snapped a picture of me. The Maslin man who posted the photo said when he heard about what Frederick was doing, he wanted to show that random act of kindness and he wanted to share how powerful the message can be with one simple photo. Basically when I was younger, I really, we really didn't have much money. So 
it wasn't like every year we could just go out and get a new coat. So I just had to kind of stick with what I had. So just being somebody who I needed when I was younger. So just helping others out and giving back. Goodwill employee Martha Edwards was there to help Frederick in awe of his kind gesture. More young adults should be inspired by him. Frederick says he was inspired by this post on Facebook, showing people hanging jackets on poles and fences for those in need. It makes me feel like it's going to make an even bigger change for people, like, oh, he did it, so now I should. It's the cycle of giving, something Frederick also personally experienced. Mm -hmm. So here's a $200 gift card Thank for your you. next shopping trip. Goodwill officials handing out a special gift, thanking Frederick for making a positive impact. Just one good deed for each person. Just wake up and do something different, I guess. I love him. Uh, it just like makes my heart so happy to hear these stories. And Angie, thank you like over and over and over for doing this show because so often, see, here I go. I get all weepy. Um, <laughs> I'm glad Beatrice isn't here. Yeah, she'd I know she'd be us. all over it. Oh. But we need to hear stories like this because you see the news and you see bad things and then bad you know people like well if they're doing it i'm going to do that too we need good stories so then people know people are doing good and they'll it will proliferate out and so thank you and having a 19 year old myself like it makes my heart happy to know that this kid you know didn't grow up with many things and he wanted a new coat and that's what struck him and so he's like i'm going to make the difference in somebody else's life yeah and I, I hear a lot of these stories where people have uh, uh, been on the outs themselves, whether they've been in a homeless shelter or they've, mm -hmm. you know, really been struggling. And then they want to, once they're back on their feet or their family's back on their feet, they want to help others. And that's neat when kids really have come from each side of the fence like that, you know, really needing the help and then getting into a better position and then giving the help. There was a story I did once on a kid. He was sewing outfits for homeless kids. I'm not kidding you. Wow. I'm at a sewing machine. Wow. He asked if he could learn how to do it. And he started sewing clothes. And he said he did it because he didn't have many clothes when they were in a shelter. And now that they had a house and uh, he could sew. I mean, seriously, a little boy sewing clothes on a sewing machine for other homeless kids. That's just amazing. That's really cool. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. I think goodness breeds goodness. Yes. So I love the good news because it, it inspires all of us to do better and mm -hmm. to keep pushing Well, and that's ourselves. what he said. Didn't he say that yes. he thought other people might see him doing this and they might do it want to get involved as well? Mm -hmm. One good turn a day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. The word says he blesses some in order to bless others not to, right. to just hoard it yeah and keep it all to ourselves so that's a really good point there's a boy that we really had taken under our wing and uh my my son had messaged uh me the other day and said he came into class crying to say goodbye and uh there'd been a domestic violence situation and he lost his mother and his dad's mm -hmm. now in prison for the rest of his life mm. and so for the last two and a half years he's lived in our neighborhood and we started taking him to church and doing things with him and uh, uh, I'm just sometimes, um, I don't know, you, you hope that you have a lasting impact, you know, on someone. And it's sad that we might not ever get to see him again because he came in to say goodbye to my son. And, you know, my son gave him 
his phone number, and then the his care, the person who's been caring for him gave my son's phone number to the new family that's going to be in a, a different state. But sometimes I just don't understand how things work out. You know that a child is torn away from all of his relatives here and all of his neighborhood, his church, his friends, his school, and all of the kids just were plucked and they're mm-hmm. they're gone now. But you you hope when you see these opportunities to reach out to a kid, like I like I want him. You know, I told right. you know his family, I'm like I I want I would like to have him. Now, could I take all the kids? I don't know. But that certainly is something that gets me thinking for the future about how I could potentially sure. minister yes. to other kids. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. All right. Uh, this is the good news. I'm Angie Austin, and we will be right back. Good news of Jesus for you in high-definition radio and streaming at 670KLTT.com. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver. YMCA of the Rockies is the place to take your family this spring. It's like a destination vacation in your own backyard. This year at SS Park Center, we have a family mountaineering and backcountry weekend scheduled for March 1st through the 4th. We'll be hosting family snowshoe hikes, backcountry ski meetups, outdoor winter survival trainings, winter ecology hikes, and much more. We'll have guest speakers, excursions for every level of experience, and demos by popular mountaineering equipment brands such as Loa and Montbell. Visit ymcarockies.org for more information. That's ymcarockies.org. Welcome back to the Good News with Angie Austin and friends. This is Beatrice Bruno, the Drill Sergeant of Life, and I'm in the studio with producer Dave. And, and you know, we've got something um, exciting. I, it's exciting to me because I love hearing the stories. But um, producer David, explain what's, what we're going to be talking so about. So this is our n- latest installment in I Am Second. If you've been listening over the past couple of months, we've decided to do this uh, do this thing where we feature these films. They're called White Chair Films from this website called I Am Second. It, they're all these amazingly powerful testimonies. Um, I thought the biggest the biggest surprise to me is how, I mean, there's literally hundreds of these. Mm-hmm. Um, but the biggest surprise to me is how many people are famous out there that are Christians that don't really talk about it. You don't see it. You don't yeah. hear about it um, unless they're in a setting like this uh, mm-hmm. where I guess they feel safer to do it. Uh, although some of these people, I mean, you did know were Christians. You just, it's, you, it's just you don't really know the right. their testimonies, these things that they've gone through. Um, the one I've chosen for today is not necessarily a very, very difficult. Um, he's, he, you know, he's, uh, on the grand scheme of things, he's not. He wasn't abused. He was not a drug addict. He's nothing like that. Okay. However, he has reached the ultimate level of success, and um, and who I'm talking about is Clayton Kershaw. He's the starting pitcher for the Dodgers, for the Los Angeles Dodgers. He's um, known right now as the greatest pitcher in the game. Huh. He is unbelievable how good he is. Unfortunately, they lost the World Series. I've been a Dodger fan since I was a little kid. Oh, wow. So uh, I've been listening to this guy. I've actually met him at um, spring training before. He's much younger wow. than me. And it's funny, he's younger than me, but I look up to him. Um, but, uh, you know, when he was standing next to Sandy Koufax, I got Clayton Kershaw as a rookie and Sandy Koufax sitting there and I mean, two of my heroes oh, wow. standing in front of me at the same time. And, you know, I'm flabbergasted. Um, but... um. Clayton Kershaw has a pretty amazing story just because of how the things that he does, the things that he does to help his community. And and the, uh, one of the things that runs throughout I Am Second, which is why it's called I Am Second, mm-hmm. is this idea of giving up control. Okay. Because we all want to control everything, yes. particularly a 
a pitcher, mm-hmm. you know, he's like, everything is about centimeters, inches, little tiny, tiny, tiny little movements, but giving up the control in your life, you know, that, um, and, you know, kind of giving it to Jesus and allowing Amen. Jesus to guide you and to take control so that it's out of your hands, Amen. essentially, but uh, so that you do the right thing. So, uh, but this is that. Uh, we've been doing, watching the White Fence films or listening to the White, White Fence, White Chair films. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just kind of, uh, you know, listen a little bit. If, if you hear something, please speak up. Um, um, I, I think this is very, very powerful because he does something in the off season when he's not being a baseball player, okay. which I think is just so much more impressive than what he does on the field. Amen. So here, let's start this one. When you're out there in the heat of the moment and you're pitching... It's a big situation. You're saying, don't throw a ball. Don't give up a hit. Don't walk this guy. The harder you want to control something, the more it gets out of your control. And you want to hit the outside corner with the pitch. If you, all you think about is, I'm going to hit that, aim it right there, hit it right there. That's the last place it's going to go. But when you have in the back of your mind where you're supposed to throw it and then just say, I'm going to throw it as hard as I can right at that glove and just say that. It'll be around there more often than not. Um, if you've done the preparation and the mechanics and everything, is there? It's almost the same in life. It's like the more you try and grip control your life, the more God's going to, you know, untangle that from you. He's going to make things go to where you have to rely on Him. I was just so worried. I was so worried all the time. My parents got divorced when I was 10. I had so much anxiety about my own life. If there was something that needed to get done, I'd rather do it myself than let other people do it for me. You know, just just stuff that I couldn't control that I was worried about. My mom and I were trying to figure out how college was going to be a feasible option for us. Uh, You know, it's going to be so expensive, I can't afford to do that. I didn't know what to do on my own. When I kind of relinquished all control of my life um, was the day I got drafted. Um, that, that was life-changing. That was something that, you know, even talking about now chokes me up just because it's just amazing the providence God had in my life. God was there the whole time. I just didn't bother to look. I never thought in a million years I'd ever get to play professional baseball, get to play in the major leagues, get to live out my dream. Since I was a kid, it's all I ever wanted to do. But, you know, at the same time, if you're playing baseball, why are you playing baseball? Is it to, to have good success on the field and be a Hall of Famer or whatever it is? Sure, that's that's everybody's goal. But then what? But then what? Right. I mean, I think it's so important. It's that whole idea, you know, the metaphor of pitching and trying to hit that side, that corner, and it's never going to go there. It's never going to because it's something that's completely out of your control. Well, you know, and I, I'd never thought about it because I'm not a baseball person. I, you know, when I used to look at pro sports, it would be football or basketball, but and golf, of course. But baseball, I never thought about it because you'd see the pitcher on the mound, and you see the the um, the shortstop putting down one finger, two fingers, or yeah. whatever he's doing yeah. and stuff. And so the pitcher throws whatever that number means and I never thought about the pitcher being out of control of what happens with the ball when the ball leaves his hand I never even really thought about that but that is like life you know because we're born and we grow up you know one of the first things that we have to learn to do is to walk 
So we start the crawling thing. Then we can stand up, uh, stand, you know, pull, pull ourselves up on a table. Then we can start walking and blam, we hit the ground. And if we don't get back up, you know, that's a problem. Right. Because then we, we're not learning anything. But this young man has, um, like you say, he's at the pinnacle, the top of his success, you know, as a, a pitcher for a major league baseball team. But even he has to let go of control. Well, so here's something to think about. It's 67 feet from the pitcher mound to the plate. Okay. And he averages around 98 miles per hour, which is about .02 seconds from the time it leaves his hands until the time it hits the glove. And in that time, you know, 67% of the time or whatever, it makes it. But the other 30, 35% of the time, wow. somebody cranks it. It, you know, yeah. a home run or a double or a, you know, whoever, a yeah. double play. Who knows what's going to happen? But that's how small of a time it, it takes for everything to change from your control to whatever that somebody else is going to take control. So I think that's like, I mean, that's nanoseconds. It's like timing a bullet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and that's how quickly it could happen, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's funny because we're talking about it. Uh, you know, that amount of time is an eternity to Jesus. You know? You're right. It is because a day is as one. Um, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. A day, a thousand years, whatever. You know, but everything is in God's hands. Right. And that's how we have. When he, you know, he described how when he was 10 years old, his parents got a divorce. There was nothing he could control about that. Nothing whatsoever. And so, of course, he probably felt within himself, well, from now on, I'm going to control everything. Because that's how we think. Sure, we really sure. do. Oh, I won't let that happen again. Yeah, exactly. And this is, oh, wow, this is a, a good story. This is a good illustration of what it means to be, to, to be in that second position and let God be in that first position. That I never really, okay, sure. well, baseball. And, and the rest of this, too, I think is very important because his what next I mean, we all could do this. Nobody, it doesn't take a professional athlete to be able to do this and to care this much. So. For me, it's about the legacy you leave off the field. It's about how many people can I affect through the platform that he gave me. I got to go to Africa last year with my wife, Ellen. She's been working with some kids over there that she's gotten to go back and see. One particularly has uh, touched her heart, and her name is Hope, and uh, she's a double orphan. Both her parents have died from AIDS. You see the, the cloud in her eyes, you know, she's scared. Ellen just gave the quickest version of uh, the good news that she possibly could, and that's all it takes for people in Zambia. It's like they've been waiting their whole lives for somebody just to tell them, and uh, it changed my life. We just started a home called Hope's Home, and uh, in honor of Hope, this little girl. And uh, we just—it's uh, going to be an orphanage for about 12 kids, and we just bought the land for it. And uh, yeah, hopefully within the next year, we'll see the orphanage built and we'll see the kids put in uh, the home. We're just an avenue, you know. We're just doing the part that God gave us. You can't think, oh yeah, we can change this whole country ourselves. No. But God can, and uh, one more one more reason to let go of control. Playing for the Dodgers in LA is just saying that it's 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 amazing, it's ridiculous. The prayer I say before I go out there and pitch is, you know, not God, you know, let me win today, or God, you know, help me pitch good. It's you know, God, just be with me. 
with all the different people and different cultures and different religions, you can kind of just just kind of become one, you know, one with the crowd. You know, um, he said something very important just now, and that is that he doesn't pray to go out and win the game. He doesn't pray to uh, possibly to, to make another million dollars on his contract. He prays, God be with me. And see, that is so important because if we don't ask God to come with us at all times, you know, God is a gentleman. His Holy Spirit is a gentleman, and they don't force. He doesn't force himself on us. And so for this young man to say, Lord, just be with me, please. And look at what God has accomplished through him. You know, going, going over to Africa and building a, an orphanage, you know. Right. That's and just, it's for 12 kids, which yes. seems small, a small drop in the bucket. But, man, what an amazing thing for those 12 kids. And Absolutely. then the next 12 kids, and then the next 12 kids. That's right, because I, I know he and his wife aren't going to stop at just the one. No, no, no. This is a couple years old. He's, they have like four or five now. See, that's what I'm talking about. But it's not about the the prestige of being a major league baseball player. It's not about the, you know, the million dollar contracts for him. It's about God, where you at? What you what Well, you see, doing? and it's funny that uh, th uh these things and um uh, th this show in particular has taught me how to pray just because mm -hmm. uh, a couple weeks back we did this one uh with an ice skater and he told this story about how um, somebody had asked him what he prays for, and he said he always says, "Oh, you know, we t what does he tell God?" And mm -hmm. he's, "Oh, I just always tell God." And this guy had tumors and all sorts of stuff, a very, very bad health problems. Um, but he said, "Oh no, I just thank God for my blessings, and I thank God for the things that I have, and I thank God." And they're like, "Well, do you ever ask God for anything?" Mm -hmm. And he's like, "Well, no, I don't want to bother him. I don't." And I'm, that's kind of how I think. I don't want to bother him. And he said, "You're a dad, right?" Mm -hmm. He's like, "Well, yeah." And he's like, "Well, if your son came to you." Wouldn't you want him asking you That's right. everything? Wouldn't That's you right. want? Wouldn't you want to provide everything? And it was just like, boom! Like it, like a bomb in my head yeah. went off. Like, wait, I'm allowed to ask God? Yes, I'm allowed to ask God for the things that I want. Yes, absolutely. What? Yeah. So I didn't even realize that. Um, I'm not sure why I didn't realize that, but it's changed the way that I talk to God. It and it's because of um, how we're taught. You know, um, <clears throat> excuse me. I was raised up in a, a, a culture, a society, in which we were told you don't question God. You don't, you don't question God. God is God. And I find that, you know, yes, God is God. He really is, but he's my heavenly father. And if I can ask my earthly father questions like why did such and such happen? Surely I can ask God the same question. Almost more so, right? Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> because he knows the beginning. Well, he knows the ending before the beginning. Right. He knows all this stuff. <laughs> so why wouldn't I ask God, Lord, why? Why that happen? Why you let that happen, Lord? Yeah. And I do ask him stuff. It, it just recently, um, one of my soldiers from 1988 called me, and um, he said, "Drill." He calls me Drill Mama. I was his drill sergeant. He calls me Drill Mama. He said, "Drill Mama, what you doing June the 23rd through the 30th?" And I said, "Let me get my calendar." And I looked. I said, "Oh, I don't have anything for that week." And he said, "Good." Um, his fiance and he are getting married, and they want me to perform the ceremony. Wait a minute. Where's the ceremony gonna be? Hawaii. Oh, <laughs> poor you. And he's he's paying for it for myself and my husband to go over to Hawaii. He wants my husband to be the best man and perform the ceremony. Okay, I've never been to Hawaii, and see, this is one of the questions I'd ask the Lord. I said, Why can't I go to Hawaii? I said, Everybody else going to Hawaii. <laughs> I just don't understand why I can't go to Hawaii. 
And look at what he did. That's so funny. Okay. It reminds me of that Janis Joplin song. Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a, a Mercedes Benz? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And so, yes, we're supposed to ask God these questions. But this young man, he wants God's presence in his life. And that's I just. I think that's beautiful. That's I awesome. Hope, I hope you have a good time. That's awesome. I love Hawaii. Oh, I am going to. I am. I just, I, I'm, I, what can I say? I'm just, I'm pleased as punch. I really am. And, and I looked at God when I got off the phone with my soldier. I said, Father, thank you. Thank you. Because I said, you do have a marvelous sense of humor, but thank you. You know, and I really appreciate that. So I, I'm just saying that to say, you know, this, when you talk about I am too, okay, you're putting yourself behind God and letting God be God. Yeah. Because it, that's what he wants. It's funny when it when it clicked to me what I am second man. It, I, I immediately went back. My grandparents had this. I'm sure you've all seen it. It's the picture of the footprints in the sand, and then it said, uh, "You know, when I looked back, there was only one set of footprints, and yes. it was because God was carrying me." Yes. And uh, I, you know that whole. I think it's a proverb. I guess I. Uh, I immediately thought of that, and I was like, oh, we're, it actually makes a lot of sense, a lot of sense it there. Does. I remember a couple of years back, there was that country singer, the, the, take the Jesus Take the Wheel, and I remember going, no, you should hold on to the wheel so you don't get into a wreck. But it was after the wreck. You know, the whole idea of the song is, I'm in Jesus' hands now, Carrie so please, yeah, uh -huh. so please, I'm in your hands, so yes. please protect me. Yes, and, and he does. And, you know, I see these little signs that say, um, Jesus is my co-pilot. I'm like, no, nah, baby, uh-uh, not, not today. I'm the co-pilot. Uh, co Let him be the pilot because he can take care of so much more than what I can do. My, I have very finite thinking. I, I'm very limited in my thinking, but he has the expanse of the entire world. And so he knows what to do. And so I just, I, I really like this. I, I like this. I am second. And I, I, I hope to be able to hear more of these. Well, throughout the year, I think uh, we're going to try to do at least one every week or so. Okay. Um, hopefully you're here for the, for uh, some of them, but uh, you know, I want to get groups of us. I like mm -hmm. that we did an individual one. I want to get Angie and the whole good news gals Amen. in here. Cause I think that everybody's take on it is just a little bit different. I, and yeah. I really, really like these. They're very, very powerful. Yeah, this is this is good. This is really good. Was there any more? There's 20 seconds left, and he really just says, I'm Clayton Kershaw, and I'm second, so we're just going to skip the rest of it. Amen. But. Well, that's good, and I, I'm Beatrice Bruno, and I'm second. What about you? I'm Dave Keita. I am second. <laughs> so if we could get a movement going on with that, you know, and just realize that God is, is supposed to be in first place. He is in first place, and we need to let God be God because he can do so much more than what we're capable of doing. Look at your last situation with your son, Jason. I know. I mean, and I, I was completely powerless. Amen. And so it was easy to give up control in a situation like that because I'm not a doctor. I don't know what is That's going right. on. That's However... Right. I haven't tried to take control back since then. And Amen. I think that's very empowering to me. I feel better. I feel lighter. Good for you. Good for you. Well, thank you so much for tuning in today to The Good News with Angie Austin and friends. This is Beatrice Bruno, the Drill Sergeant of Life. And I have so enjoyed you today. I hope you enjoyed our, our good news story. I am second. Think about it. Are you second or are you putting yourself up there at first so that God is second? So God bless y'all. We love you with the love of Jesus. And we'll see you next time on The Good News with Angie Austin and Friends. Bye-bye.
Hi, it's Angie. Hey, do you have a lot of things around your house you want to get rid of? My husband wants me to get rid of anything and everything that is in his way. 303-238-JANE. I love ARC. They help people in our community. Every dollar you spend helps and everything you donate helps. 303-238-JANE. They bring a truck right to my house. I actually have them come every month or two and it is so helpful to get that place cleaned out because you know what? My husband's a lot nicer to me when I donate things and who better to donate to than ARC? 303-238-JANE and arcthrift.org for a location near you if you just want to drop a few things off and do a little shopping. arcthrift.org, shopping with a purpose. I love Arc. Welcome back to the good news. Well, fetal surgery can save and improve the lives of thousands of children worldwide. Joining us again is Dr. Scott Adzik, Surgeon-in-Chief at Children's Hospital in Philadelphia. Welcome back, doctor. It's nice to be with you, Angie. All right, so we we have had many discussions in the past, and I'm astounded at what you can do, uh, you know, while the child is still in the womb. So let's start with how many babies each year are born uh, with birth defects? Well, in the U.S., it's amazing. Nearly 150,000 babies are born uh, with birth defects in the U.S., many with conditions so rare most parents and even some clinicians uh, haven't heard of them. Too often these families aren't made aware of the treatments available at a place like our Center for Fetal Diagnosis and Treatment in Philadelphia, and they're left feeling overwhelmed with few options. If you look at the math, one in 33 babies is born with a birth defect, so they're amazingly common. They're costly. Birth defects cost billions of dollars mm-hmm. required for medical treatment. They're merciless. No parent is immune. Mysterious. Most causes of birth defects are unknown, unfortunately. They're overlooked, in my view. Research is underfunded. And most importantly, birth defects are deadly. They're the leading cause of infant mortality. So what types of conditions can you as a doctor and other surgeons like yourself um, actually, you know, uh, help out prior to the baby even being born? So you do the surgery while the baby's still in the womb. What types of conditions can be helped? Well, in terms of uh, clinical volume, we'll, we'll evaluate about 2,000 pregnant mothers carrying birth defects a year, and we'll do about 200 fetal surgery operations. So only about 10% of our referrals require an operation before birth, and there's three groups of fetal interventions. One group involves putting shunt tubes under ultrasound guidance into fluid collections, either around the lung or a blocked urinary tract, putting a tube in the bladder, for example. The second category involves fetoscopy, putting a scope through the mother's abdominal wall into the uterus. And the most common condition treated with fetoscopy is called twin-twin transfusion syndrome, or TTTS for short. So identical twins, separate amniotic sacs, but only one shared placenta. And the anatomic situation with the blood vessels are one twin gets too much blood and goes into heart failure, and the other gets not enough blood and goes into kidney failure, and both will die unless you do fetoscopy, put the scope in, visualize the placenta, and use a laser to occlude those culprit blood vessels. So that's fetoscopy. The third category is open fetal surgery, where the mother goes to sleep, we open her abdomen, we open the uterus with a specialized uterine stapling device, and we actually repair the birth defect 
before birth. And the most common operation that we do to repair before birth is spina bifida. Spina bifida occurs when the, t the coverings around the spinal cord don't form normally by four to six weeks gestation. And as a result, particularly during the third trimester, the exposed nerves and spinal cord are progressively damaged by amniotic fluid, which is mostly fetal urine. So fetal urine is very toxic to those nerves. So spina bifida kids, depending on how high on the spinal cord the lesion goes for those who are wheelchair-bound and have hydrocephalus and require a shunt tube to drain fluid from the brain into the abdomen. And now we can treat that before birth and markedly enhance the chances that the baby or the child will be able to walk eventually and decrease the, the need for one of those shunt tubes. I just think that's fascinating. You told me once that uh, one of the most moving experiences for you was this reunion that you have at the hospital where you, you actually saw kids tossing a football that you had operated um, on in the womb. And I believe in that case, it was spina bifida and that these kids were yeah. uh, leading wonderful, normal lives. And as you and I both know, that diagnosis, sometimes women are told, like my girlfriend, your baby has spina bifida. When would you like to schedule to terminate the pregnancy? And that is not necessary to terminate the pregnancy. These are children that can be helped and saved and lived and live wonderful lives. That's true. Now, now we we can provide uh, a variety of treatment options for patients with very good information. And you, you mentioned each year. In June, we have a fetal family reunion where patients, most local, some are regional, and some uh, you know, come from around, around the U.S. back for a day of celebration. So last year, we had 2,000 people there for this day of celebration, which is a lot of fun to see. It's truly inspiring to see so many children who, as babies, likely could have died or been severely disabled, running around and growing up healthy and strong. It's just amazing. It is amazing. Always enjoy talking to you, doctor. Uh, what a blessing you are and the work you do. Uh, it, it helps so many people live wonderful lives and obviously uh, helpful to the parents emotionally, too, to have that surgery in the womb under their belts done while they're still pregnant and then have that peace of mind knowing that their child is going to be born and have a much greater chance of survival and living a happy, healthy life. Where do we go for more info, doctor? Well, our website's pretty good. Uh, that would be fetal surgery one word dot chop chop dot edu so fetal surgery dot chop dot edu well thank you so much dr adzik a real blessing to have you on the show thanks for listening to the good news with angie austin find the podcast of past shows at angieaustinradio.com it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.